So we in a we in a series called multiplication. Multiplication, y'all y'all remember these math problems? One plus one plus one, right? Equals what? In the kingdom, what does it equal? Well, that was a trick question. Somebody got it. One plus one plus one. And, and I was always halfway decent at math, but one thing that I know that God is doing in this hour, in this generation, especially through our church and the movement of City Takers, is God is multiplying things. I was just in, last week I was down in South Florida, and we launched our first City Takers mission base outside of Georgia. Amen. Super cool, amazing things. I think we got some, uh, did, did y'all show a video last week? Okay, so you already saw it. Y'all saw the video. But God is doing that, not just through city takers as a mission and a ministry, but God is doing this through you as well. Say, through me. My life is multiplying in Jesus' name. That means some of y'all are actually having kids, right, in the physical, but some of y'all are actually having kids in the spiritual sense too. What does that mean? That means you are making disciples that make disciples. Amen? So, so you're like, hey, I'm old. I don't want to have no more kids. Listen, you can have some spiritual sons and daughters in Jesus' name. Maybe you're like, I'm too young. I don't want to have kids. I'm too young. I want to enjoy life. Can I get an amen for anybody who wants to enjoy life a little bit before kids? <laughs> you can have some spiritual sons and daughters. It doesn't matter how young you are. You can still make disciples that make disciples. So I'm like, Lord, last week, this whole week, I was down in Miami, Florida, actually. Miami, Florida, my old stomping grounds. You know, it's crazy how God will do. God will take you out of some place and then all of a sudden bring you right back into the mix of it in order to shine light, in order to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I was in Everglades prison. I mean, it's out there. With, I mean, it's literally surrounded by alligators, like for real. There's, there's water. There's alligators. They're like, if you're going to break out of this thing, you're going to have to swim through that. And it's filled with crocodiles and alligators. That's where, you know, most prisons are out in the middle of nowhere. And so I got the opportunity to go there last November, and I started to build. And we, we had this vision to be able to take Maverick City Music down in there and do these writing sessions and these writing camps and just literally hang with these men for a whole week. So I got to do that. We, this is how good God is. We opened the mission base two hours away from the prison and then I got to drive over to the prison Maverick City Music came out and yesterday we did this thing in the yard we had the biggest event in the state of Florida in the history of the prison systems like for real yeah for real it, it was like 1800 people on the yard Maverick City Music was there and then we had a special guest arrive it was super crazy Kirk Franklin came as well yeah I'm being dead serious you <laughs> Check my Instagram in case you don't believe me. But what am I, why am I even saying that? Because I'm not boasting in Kirk Franklin. I'm not boasting in Maverick City Music. What I'm boasting in what God is doing in and through us. We want to live out Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 says, Jesus, when did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you thirsty? Jesus responds to the disciples. The disciples were asking this question. When did we see you do all this? And he says, listen, when you've done it unto one of the least of these, done it unto who? Me. And so our mission and our ministry of city takers is keeping the church accountable to Loving what Matthew chapter 25 calls the least of these. 
Like literally, like, you ever felt like, man, I'm just nobody? You might be nobody in the context of what the world thinks, but the first shall be last, and the last, the nobody shall be what? First in the kingdom. So, the, so w w when the world looks as we don't have a high position, or because we don't have a great title, or because we don't have a lot of money, or because we don't have a lot of influence on social media, they might look at you and they might look at me like we are insignificant. But let me tell you what the Father sees. He sees very great significance inside of you because his son lives in us. And so you are not an accident. You are supposed to be alive. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be part of this church. You're supposed to be part of this movement because God is doing something significant in us and also through us. So all I'm doing is I'm like, okay, Maverick City, okay, Kirk Franklin, okay, whoever it is, I want to make sure that as these people and these, these guys have become great friends of mine, that we're going to stay anchored to Matthew chapter 25. Amen? And so I have a heart to be able to just live this thing out. And so I was praying to God as I was in Miami, like I knew I was going to come back and preach this message. And the Lord took me to the scripture in Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to have to try to hurry this one up. This might be a two-week thing, so bear with me. Luke chapter 24, 9 verse 31. It says this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples. So this is Jesus who hung on a cross, thrown in a tomb, and on the third day, you know the story, it's on Easter story, right? He rose from the dead. So they rushed back to the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Now, that's a whole different message when women come running, sharing truth to men, and men don't believe it. Ladies, could I get an amen? That's a whole, that's a whole, we're not going to go there today in the name of Jesus. We don't have enough time to dissect that one. The story sounded like nonsense to men. They didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran back to the tomb to look for himself. Stooping down, he peered and saw empty linens, wrappings, and then he went home again, wondering what had happened. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to a village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Peep the scene. They're walking, right? They're talking about everything that had just happened. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just appears walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They, they stopped short. They're like, bro, have you not heard, you know, what the heck was going on? Right? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them these names are rough, y'all. Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened in the last few days. Jesus, you know, kind of being funny like I would probably do, like what things? 
He's, he, what things? He's, he's talking about himself. They, he knew exactly what was going on. But don't you know that sometimes Jesus will ask us how we feel and what's going on in our lives. He already knows, but he wants to hear from us. Jesus said what things? The things that had happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed them over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then someone, or then a woman from a group and his followers, early in the morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said the body was missing, and they had seen angels who told him, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I read all that to get to this one little part. It says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Now remember, they still don't know that this is Jesus. Verse 30, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And suddenly... Their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And then in that moment, he just disappeared. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that it touches our hearts and our minds, and it teaches us something on how we can be more like you. Lord, help our eyes to be open today, and our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you want to speak. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Now, one thing I want to kind of point out today, we want to really kind of talk about the multiplication of the bread. Say bread. Now, I remember growing up in my subs, sub sandwiches, and I, I'll never forget this. I must have been 12, 13 years old. I walked into this Subway sandwich shop, and all I could smell was this hot baking bread. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And to this day, I actually did, did some Google research on Subway. Do you know? That every single Subway bakes their own bread. Every single one of them has one of those little ovens. You've seen it. They open it up. They ask you what kind of bread you want now. They have different kind of breads. And, and listen, they don't necessarily have a little bit better. But the reason why they bake their own bread is because the moment you open that door, you get that aroma of bread. And it makes you hungrier when you're smelling that goodness of that, you know, whatever, French, Italian, and cheese, and all that other goodness. Bread. Can I get an amen? Anybody hungry yet? And there's something about, like, you know, the, the fragrance of hot bread. I just think about, like, putting some butter on that thing. And uh, my, my wife makes chili, and we make these little crest croissant rolls, you know, that, the little Pillsbury Doughboy ones that you have to pop, and it scares the heck out of you when you open it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we make this, and, and there's nothing like these little Pillsbury dough, flaky, 
biscuits coming out of the oven that I get to put some butter on. I put a little bit of honey on that thing mixed with chili, and mm, I kind of go to heaven for a moment. <laughs> Amen. Bread is actually amazing, but it's also talked about all throughout scriptures. It's mentioned, bread itself is mentioned 492 times in the Bible. 492 times. I'm like, oh man, I, I pray that there's bread in heaven. In Jesus' name. But they talk about bread from Genesis, and they talk about bread all the way to the revelation that John had in the last book. And it has so much symbolism, but for the sake of time, we're not going to go through everything that bread in the Bible uh, signifies. But we are going to talk about a few things. What is the significance of bread? The first significance, it is a picture of Jesus. Say Jesus. John 6 says this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. He's saying, you know, the, the man in the Old Testament who is leading you guys did not give you bread from heaven. He says, my father, he did though. And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is this, the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So now we see bread signifies life. Bread signifies Jesus. Like he is the bread of life. Amen. In John 6, 35, it says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be what? Hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So there is fulfillment in the bread. Like if I sit down, if we go to lunch, uh, you know, right after this service, we go to lunch, and there's some restaurants that will bring you bread out to the table. Like Maggiano's, they put a little bit of oil down. And, and, and their hopes is that you're going to eat a lot of bread. Because if you eat a lot of bread, they don't have to serve you very big portions because you're already going to be kind of what? Full. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Because we hunger for all types of other things in the world. But the reality is we need to take the bread of life into our own hearts, into our own minds, into our own lives so that our eyes can fully be opened and we can see what's really happening in us and around us. Because a lot of us are being lied to and we're believing the lies that the world is pushing on us. See, Christ walks with us every single day, just like he walked with those two disciples that day. And some of us don't even recognize him. Some of us are talking to him, but we're not recognizing who he is, really. And he's talking to us, and we're not recognizing his voice. And when I read these scriptures, I see a pattern when Jesus was handling this bread. I see, a, I see an order of things. And I wanted to kind of break down this order because I believe that it relates to our lives. But before we jump into that, remember the story when Jesus fed the 5,000? Right? We, we read about it in, I think it's uh, Matthew or Mark chapter 6. Actually, Jesus didn't really feed the 5,000. Jesus did something, and the disciples fed the 5,000. The disciples were the ones who were going and distributing everything to the people, and it just never ran out, right? And basically he was saying, well, you know, the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, everybody's hungry. You need to tell them to go home. Everybody, need, everybody needs to get out of here because you know what happens when people get really hungry. <laughs> they start looking at their watch. I could tell when service is over here because everybody would be like, 
hmm, I'm getting hungry. And it's almost that time because I've seen a few of y'all already do it. I'm joking. I didn't. I'm joking. I saw Terrell do it. I'm joking, bro. I love you. Hey, 2.0 is fire. Make sure you get his music, Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Trust me, that man is a city taker for real. Make some noise for him. But we, but Jesus is like, well, why don't y'all feed them? Feed them. 5,000, and listen, this was, they just counted the men at the time. It was 5,000 men plus women and children. Some say it was probably 15,000 people on the side of this mountain. Jesus is like, why don't you just feed them? They were like, feed them. We don't even got no food for ourselves, Jesus. You know how sometimes when you really want something, you start putting it on other people? I think that's what was happening. I think the disciples were getting hungry. And they're like, Jesus, it's time to go. Look at them. Look at how hungry they are. Meanwhile, Peter's like, my stomach is growling. I got to get up out of here. And they're like, why don't you feed them? He's like, I don't got enough money to feed 15,000 people, Jesus. What are you talking about? And then Jesus says something so profound that it really changed my life. And this, again, this is another message, but I just feel led to share this. He says, well, what do you have? I ain't got all that. I ain't got the money. I ain't got the food. I don't know the people. I don't have all the connections. I, you know, I don't have all these followers. I don't got a good job. I'm not from a good family. I'm in, they start to give all the excuses. And Jesus talks to us, hold on a second, Peter. What do you have? And he says, well, all I have, there's a little kid here with some fish and some loaves. And then we want to we read it, Mark chapter 6, verse 41 Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. Jesus does the same thing with us that he does with the bread. I'm going to say that again. Jesus does the same thing with us that he does to the bread. And he does it in this order. The first thing is this. Jesus took the bread and Jesus takes us. At one time in your walk, in this life, you did not know him. Right? Everybody in this room, we're born into sin. We're separated from the Father. We don't really know him. But at some point in our life, we come to know Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Jesus takes us unto himself. I love the definition of take, to take with a hand, to lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. If I'm like, hey, anybody got a pen? Somebody's going to pull a pen out of their purse or somebody's going to hand me a pen. I got to reach out and I got to grab the pen. I got to take the pen in order to use the pen. Unless I say, hey, Pastor Phil, can you write this down for me? All of a sudden now he's using it. I don't have, I, I haven't taken the pen for myself. So Jesus takes us unto himself. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he's given the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. He also takes away some things, too, from our lives, right? John 1, 29, and thank God for this. He says, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He's taken my sins. Has he taken your sins? Can I get an amen if he has? Matthew 8, 17, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. 
He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases in Jesus' name. Philippians 2, 7. But made him, he's a man who made himself no rep and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He didn't come to serve, but he took upon himself. And we have to take upon ourselves the form of a servant. We're called to serve and love our neighbors. We're called to, the, the first will be last in the kingdom, and the last in the kingdom will be first. It's an inverted pyramid. And so Jesus takes us unto himself. He adopts us into his family. We carry his name. We are part of the family of God. Inheritance because our last name is his name in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a wrap. Terrell, you should use that. Our last name is his name in Jesus' name. So he takes the bread. The second thing he does in the scripture, he takes the bread and then he blesses the bread. So he takes us into his family and then he blesses us. The definition of blessing is to cause to prosper to make happy, to bestow blessings upon, favored of God, blessed. Like what? Before Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old, John baptized him in the Jordan River. And a voice from heaven and a dove came down. And you know what the voice, you know what the father said? This is my son in who I am well pleased. Before he did any miracles, before he did anything of great significance in the world, God the Father said, this is my son, identity, in whom I love, family. And I'm proud of him. And so when God blesses us, it doesn't mean that we're going to have a nice, you know, Mercedes Benz and a big mansion over there in Buckhead, even though it could be. I'm not saying it can't be. But he blesses us because we have an inheritance that moth and rust and thief can't take away. Like that we have an identity in him that I, it's not based on what I do. It's not based on performance. It's not based on titles. It's not based on anything. But I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of him. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm favored. Not because of how good I am. I'm favored because he gives me favor. Mark 10, 16, it, it, there was a bunch of children trying to gather around Jesus. And the disciples were like, hey, no, nah, no, nah, this is not the children's ministry. Children's ministry is over there. I'm kind of joking, but kind of not. That's what, that's what the disciples were like. Get the kids out of here. Don't bother Jesus. And Jesus said this. He says, I didn't, I didn't write the whole scripture down. Excuse me. He said, let the children come to me. For, them, for like them is the kingdom of heaven. He says, unless you come like a child, you can't inherit the kingdom. Then it says this, verse 16, and he took them up in his arms. Put his hand upon them and he blessed them. And I love that picture because, you know, it, the, he's talking about gathering children in his arms. But, the, but he right before, I want you to read it for yourselves in Mark chapter 10. Right before that verse, he says, unless you come like a child. And so when I picture like him taking us, taking the children up in his arms, I picture me and you. Unless you come like a child and I put my arms around you and I put my hand upon your head and I bless you, says the Lord. Jesus took the bread. Jesus blessed the bread. 
if he took the bread, that means he was close. Right? I got to go all the way close to Pastor Phil in order to grab the pen. And so Jesus is close to you. He's able to bring you in close and he's able to put his hand upon your head and bless you. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus took the bread, he blessed the bread, and the next part is the part that nobody likes. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, and then he broke the bread. Mm. Jesus allows us to be broken. He really does. He allows us to be broken down to where we get to the end of ourselves. And then finally we're at a place where he can start to mold us. See, we are the clay. He is the potter. Sometimes we try to say, I want to be this type of vessel. I want to look this way. I want to be that. I'm a little teapot short and down here with my. Philippians 3, 8 and 11. This. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ. And become one with him. I no longer count it my own, my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. God allows us to be broken so that something beautiful could come out of it. He breaks the bread in order to do the last thing. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and the last thing he did was he gave the bread away. And he gives us away. The definition of give one of one's own accord to give something to someone so that they have a greater advantage. Like what? He wants to take you as his own. He wants to bless you. He wants to break you. And he wants to give you away so that the other person could have a greater advantage than you have. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Matthew 10, 1, called unto him the 12 disciples. He gave them power against or over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kind of manner and all kind of diseases. Matthew 25, 15, and unto one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, so that every man was able to produce something according to their own ability. He gives us Things. He gives us gifts. He gives us talent, not for our own glory, so that we can serve and love him and love our neighbor and equip our neighbor to do great and mighty things for the Lord. It's not about building up one's own, you know, ministry. It's not about building up my own life. It's not about building up my own bank account. God knows what we need, and we need a lot of those things, but it's not just for our glory. 
It's for his glory. It's to help people who sometimes can't help themselves. We all need a hand up, not just a hand out. John 6, our father did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Like God produced bread every single day that the, that the Israelites had to get out of the tent and go actually get the bread. And they couldn't stack up enough bread for the next day or it would spoil. They actually had to go up, get out every single day and get the bread. Now, I always thought, I'm like, God, couldn't you just put the bread in the tent? I mean, he could, he could have done that, right? He could have been like, if he's just putting bread out, out in the, everywhere, like, he could have just put it in the, in the tent. But he knows how we are. Human beings always go the path of least resistance. And so if the bread was in the tent, we would become lazy. We would become ineffective. We would become like, yeah, hey, it's all about us. God is, God is doing this for me. No, he wanted people to get out amongst other people in community. And the bread that was, he was producing wasn't just for them. It was for the family. Imagine a bunch of, a bunch of money on the floor here. Right? Hundreds, hundred dollar bills. Y'all would go, go crazy. Like people, people's flesh would come out real quick. Am I right? Come on, man. Let's just be real. Hundred dollar bills started flowing from the sky. It started raining hundreds. People would be like, oh, I mean, it's going to be like a little frenzy in here. But think about that. That's, that's probably what happened the first few days when manna was on the ground. It probably, it's probably what happened. They probably started storing it up, putting it in pillowcases, all types of stuff, putting it in their pockets. And, and listen, let me, let me just be real for a second. I know we're out of time. That's a poverty mindset. Poverty mindset is like, let me get everything I could get right now because I'm not going to have enough tomorrow. But guess what happened to all the manna? It spoiled the next day. So God was teaching us, right, that, that, that he is going to provide. He's going to make a way. But you got to get up every single day and you got to go get the manna. God, and it's not just for you. It's for your neighbors. It's for the church. It's for the family. God wants to supply all of our needs. That's what giving means. Supplication. It means I am the supplier. I'm going to give this to you. He wants to furnish everything we need. Necessary things. especially. He knows exactly what we need. We know what we want, but he knows what we need. There's a difference between wants and needs. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase as a ransom my freedom and your freedom and the freedom for everyone. He gave his life. And he wants us to do the same thing. I'm not saying we got to hang on a cross. But what I am saying is we got to die to self. The lower we go, the higher Jesus will be raised up in our lives and through our lives. Amen. He wants to take us, bless us, break us. And the last thing is give us away. In that order. My question to you is where are you in that order? Maybe you haven't even allowed the Lord to take you. You've been fighting that. 
saying, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I really want to be a Christian. I don't know if I really want to be a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you something. It is the greatest miracle of all times that the, the, the miracle of salvation where God forgives us of our sins, past, present, and future, and we can walk in freedom knowing the Father for ourselves through Christ and Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. It's the greatest miracle of all. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's actually not easy. But he makes a way where it seems like there's no way. Maybe you're in that season of a God is just blessing you. You know that you're loved. You know you're his daughter. You know you're his son. You're starting to understand who you are in the kingdom, and you just feel fully alive. Maybe you're in that season. Maybe you're in a season where God is actually breaking you. You know him. You know who you are. You know you've been blessed, set apart for his work. And all of a sudden, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. But let me tell you the good news about when you're in a season of breaking. That is the season right before he gives you away. And when you're being given away, I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than knowing other people's lives are being ministered to because of you. See, you all, every single person in this room has a story. And your story needs to be heard. Your story needs to be told. Because other people's stories are hinged on your story. Other people's lives are hinged on your lives. Other people knowing God is hinged on whether they hear the good news the good news of Jesus, what he's done in you and through you. You see, Jesus has already come to the earth. Jesus has already risen from the dead. And Jesus is coming back. That's good news. But he's coming back not to bring peace, but a sword. And it talks about in the scriptures of his return that nobody knows the day nor the hour, but they, they give us some signs. It says there'll be wars, rumors of wars. Merciless. All kind of, I mean, there's all kind of stuff. And, and I'm not saying that the Lord is returned. I'm not one of those preachers. But I, I don't know when it's going to happen. But I do know that the things I read, I'm starting to see. I do know that. And I do know that I know people who don't know him. I have family members who don't know him. I have neighbors who don't know him. I have friends who don't know him. And if he returned today, they would be eternally separated from him. And I know I don't want that. If I really love people and I really love my family, I really love my neighbor, I'm not, I can't save nobody. I know I can't. I can't bring somebody salvation. I know I can't. But what I can do is tell them the good news. I can't talk about what Jesus has done in my heart, in my life. That Jesus took me. He blessed me. He broke me. Now he's given me away. In Matthew 26 says, they were all eating at the table. Jesus took some bread. We good? And so I feel the need and I feel led to us to share in communion today together. We're going to partake in the bread and in the cup. And the bread signifies Jesus' body broken for the forgiveness of our sins. So we can start passing that out. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. This is a holy moment between you and your Father in heaven. 
And as we're doing this, I want us to not just think about, you know, what Jesus has already done. I want us to think about what he's doing in us and through us. And so we could go ahead and start probably on this side. Hold it, and we're going to do it together, okay? Hold the cup. Hold the bread. I want to read something as we're, as we're doing this. It talks about taking the bread in remembrance and drinking the cup for the remission of your sin. And I looked up the word remission. The Greek word is aphesis. Aphesis. And it says, release from bondage or imprisonment. Forgiveness or pardon of sin. Letting them go if they had never been committed. Remission of the penalty. So when God, listen, when God forgives, is as if it never happened. I feel like somebody need to hear that today. It's not just hidden. It actually never happened. And so sometimes what God has already forgiven, we haven't forgiven ourselves for. And so when, we're, when we take the bread and the cup today, I want you to realize that you need to forgive yourself for what the Lord has already forgiven you of. I believe it's going to be a special moment. Jesus, start to think about him, what he's done for you. Matthew chapter 26, he says, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread, 
just like he takes us. He blessed the bread, just like he blesses us. Then he broke the bread into pieces. I want you to break the bread, break a little piece off. Then he gave it to his disciples, just like I gave you bread today, saying, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Partake of the bread. took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Partake of the bread. Father, we thank you, God, for a release of bondage thank you, God, for true forgiveness, that you take us as your own, that you bless us, you break us, and you give us away. I pray that we're able to forgive ourselves for what we've done and for what others have done to us, that we truly let go, and we really let you have your way. We love you so much. We're grateful.